0: Hello and welcome back to the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. It is currently 1239 and OU still sucks. I'm your host Thomas Fitch. We got a lot to talk about today. uh, Breaking down offensive performances, defensive performances. We're going to talk about the uh, Red River rivalry game next week and what OU's lost Iowa State means for that. And we're going to talk some college football playoff. So let's get started. All right, so let's start off talking about Sam Ellinger, um, who had an incredible game. He was 30 of 50 for passing, 380 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. He also ran 20 times for 107 yards. He had the most carries out of anybody on the team. So first reaction comparing Shane Bouchel's game to Sam's game is that Shane takes hits, Sam gives them, um, Sam is a bruiser. There were multiple times in the game where he was running over guys. Um, he was giving hits. And, you know, when you look at, at Buchel, who he takes a couple hits and he's injured, um, Sam clearly is proving to be more durable. However, if he wants to succeed, he's going to have to not take so many hits. It's fun when he's, when he's running over people. And it's one thing if you're trying to get the extra yard. But if he wants to be durable, if he wants to last... He's got to learn to slide, to avoid hits, to go out of bounds. But it was a great game. He started off the game with a pick. He was rolling left. He tried to throw, um, and he just underthrew it a little bit. But after that, he really had a lot of confidence to come back and have an incredible game. So that just shows the, the grit that he has as a true freshman. I mean, he's my age. He's literally my age, and he's throwing for 380 yards against Kansas State. Um, so that's incredible. And so I believe that he should be starting for the rest of the year. You know, honestly, I don't think unless he unless Ellinger gets injured, I don't think Buchel steps up to, uh, steps foot on uh, the field for Texas. I just i the the way Sam played. He he was completing passes. He has some incredible passes across the middle. He can throw across the middle because he's not five foot six and a half. Shane Shane's not. He's five ten, but he he can throw across the middle and he can hit guys. And he's not standing in the pocket for four seconds. And instead of throwing downfield to an open man, he's checking off to a, a running back. Um, he is also better in the pocket. He was with the O line being still very depleted. He he took zero sacks, none, no sacks. So his elusiveness in the pocket, his accuracy, and just his the, the intangibles, the leading leading the team on the drive at the end of the game to tie it, to send it to overtime, and then leading us in overtime to win. That's this guy is eighteen. He he's a freshman in college, so he clearly has the intangibles that make a great quarterback. So I think at this point. And, and I, I truly believe that with Sam, this is a team who could contend for the Big 12 championship. I, I honestly think so. I That's not to say I predict that we will, but I think we can beat any team in the Big 12 right now. There's no team that scares me. And I'll, I'll talk more about OU in a little bit and how uh, they used to scare me with their O-line, and I thought we were going to get killed, But and we'll break that down a little bit, but they don't scare me. Um, let's move on to Chris Warren because... I was calling for him all game. The the first time when we had the ball, uh, we had about the first down, first and goal on like the three. And we only ran it once, um, or only ran Porter once. And we ended up going uh, four and out and turning the ball over on the one. And it blows my mind, even, and, and they fixed that later because the next time we were on the one, they gave it to Porter and he ran in it. it, it Warren has to have done something wrong in practice. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he failed his Greek mythology test. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why he's not getting... He got seven, seven carries for 14 yards. And granted, he's averaging two a carry. So that's... It's not like he's averaging five a carry. But still, he, he is a guy who you let him in the game for a while. You let him wear down the D-line. And then he explodes. He, his, against San Jose State, he was exploding in the second half when the D-line was exhausted. But we put him in the game, and he stands and he takes, you know, half little play actions, you know, every drive. He's not getting rushes. And I did like that uh, Tonyel Carter was getting more touches. He had uh, six carries for 32 yards. So that was definitely, um, I like getting him to the game. He's fast. He's elusive. I would like to see him get some catches out of the backfield. But one thing that I don't get, that we went away from. Against San Jose State, we ran Chris Warren and Lil Jordan in the Wildcat package. And it worked really well. I, I don't get why when you're inside the five, you don't put in Chris Warren or Lil Jordan or even Kyle Porter. Like I don't Kyle Porter may suck, but he can get a yard. He can get in the end zone. So I don't I don't know why you don't have them running the Wildcat. That's a very effective package. I don't it makes no sense to me. Um But uh let's move on to the o line because for for the lack of depth there, the lack of talent playing they were they were impressive. They were really impressive. Um you look at the and granted uh Sam was having to run around, he was having to scramble, but he didn't get sacked once. And so he didn't get sacked once and there was one holding call. That's that's absolutely a victory. For the offensive line, you know, compared to last game where we, we had back to back, I think three out of four plays we had a holding call on a drive, so you know, and so that's that's a huge improvement. Um, good job by Tim Beck by you know to get his offense his offensive line to that point. And other than that one that one driver we couldn't score inside the five, I really like Tim Beck's play call. I still think he needs to work on inside the five play calling, but. Um, I thought the way, especially in the routes he had the receivers running, I thought it gave uh, Ellinger a lot of pr- fairly easy targets to throw to to get him some confidence so that he could go downfield um, and gain that confidence, especially after he threw that early pick. And even even with the slants, I, I believe on that the game-tying drive that we had at the end, nearly all of the plays were slants. You know, and I it it really confuses my, me why a lot of teams don't do that because it is such a hard play to defend against because when you're playing deep because you're expecting the team to run deep and your corners are playing say you know a cover three they're guarding against the deep hole when you cut in they can't guard you because they're they're playing too deep to come up and get you and I thought that was a poor uh, adjustment by Kansas State when you're running the slants you got to you know go to switch to some cover two and push them inside but Even when you're doing that, it's a hard play to defend against. And not only are we doing the slants, but we're working in screens where you have two wide receivers lined up. One goes and catches the ball, and one goes, and you can't, obviously you can't block while the ball is in midair, but you can kind of reroute the blockers, and then the second that the guy catches the ball, you block him and leads to a hole. And we saw that in... in, um, I believe the first overtime, it might have been the second, when Colin Johnson caught a slant and he almost had a, a hole. There was nobody there to get him. He barely got dragged down by the foot. But I really liked that play call. Um, I thought he was much improved. At the, the last two games, I've really been disappointed with Tim Beck, but I thought he really stepped up his game. Um, let's move to the defense because it was not a good defensive performance, giving up 34 points to a Kansas team that isn't the best offensively and is fairly one-dimensional. Um, so I thought the 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 two the two people or two groups that did bad were the O line. I mean, sorry, not the O line, the D line and the in the pass coverage DBs. So the D line, while they did have three sacks, I felt like for the most part that was the majority of the pressure that we got to the quarterback. And I do want to apologize. Last week I said that the D line did not do good and didn't do a good job of pressuring. When I went back and I watched the game, um, you can see that. The D line, while they didn't, while they didn't actually, they only had one sack. They did a good job of pressuring Park, um, even even without sacking him. But this game, there was three sacks. But other than that, uh, I felt like the defensive line did a poor job of getting to the quarterback. Did a poor job of stopping the run, especially when when Jesse Ertz went down and they went to Delton. He he ended up twelve carries for seventy nine yards. And the frustrating thing about him, so he only he only had five passing attempts. Bill Snyder did not want to throw the ball. They didn't trust him. He's a backup quarterback. He was literally one-dimensional. He couldn't He couldn't throw the ball. His serves were awful. He had wide-open men that he missed. But he, would just, he was was. He waiting two seconds and then running up the middle every time. And so I don't get why you don't stack the box or why the D-line can't do a better job of getting in there and pressuring the quarterback. Um, and that's going to have to be fixed going into OU because OU has one of the best um, offensive lines in the nation. And if you want to stop Baker Mayfield, who is an incredible talent, even with the loss to Iowa State, I don't think it was as much of his fault. And I think it was more the defense's fault, we'll talk about that later. But I definitely think that um you gotta you gotta get to him. Because at this point, I don't know if we'll be able to touch Mayfield in the game. And if you can't get to him and if he has all time in the in the pocket to let the receivers downfield get open, you're we're gonna get killed. Um and breaking news! I just want to check on this. Um, anyways, uh, college game day will not be in um, uh, will not be in Dallas for this for the Texas OU game next week. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but it will be a defensive uh, a, a, sorry a division uh, either an FCS or D two team. But it's not going to be Texas OU, unfortunately. That would have been fun. Um, let's go to the pass coverage because that was also. There were a lot of lapses in pass coverage. There were way too many men open. And I think some of that is, again, because we knew that they were going to run a lot. And so, you know, the the game plan is you'd rather Jesse Ertz or your backup quarterback, their backup quarterback, throw the ball and, you know, force them to make bad throws. But there were still too many men just left wide open. And you can't do that. And I, I do think it'll be a little different against Oklahoma because you're expecting the pass more than the runner or at least a more balanced offensive attack but that needs to improve because we saw the same thing against USC and we got fortunate because there were a lot of drops uh, by the way, I'm getting news that it'll be Villanova James Madison uh, that's where game day will be next week just to let y'all know um, but against USC against San Jose State against Maryland, there were too many lapses in coverage where uh, what well, it was and it's often a tight end. Um, but somebody finds their way to just get wide open, and we got to fix that. Um, I'm going to do my starts of the game. It looks like we're, we're running short. I only have 15 minutes with this podcast, but we'll probably do two. Um, so anyways, we're going to start off with the offensive MVP. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in my mind that it's Sam Ellinger. Um, 487 yards of total offense, two touchdowns. One pick was the first play of the game, but his ability to lead the team shows that he's the quarterback of the future. And you, I want to be careful saying that because we said that about Boucher, we said that about David Ash, Garrett Gilbert, but he, he looked good. He looks legit and he's still a freshman. So that's the good news is that he's young. He's still got a lot of years left in him. Um, and so he was, he's, that's our offensive uh, MVP, defensive MVP, um, Malik Jefferson, who he really had an impressive game Two, uh, he had ten total tackles, six solo tackles, half a sack, two tackles for loss. He's just he's everywhere. <laughs> he is. If you really want to, he's just so much fun. If if you're watching the game, just watch him. Watch him on a play because he's flying. He he watches. He's watching the quarterback. He's rush. You know he's rushing. He'll be on the opposite side of the field and run to the other side and he'll get a tackle. He's so athletic. I think he's going to be a top ten draft pick, which is a shame to lose him. But he's. He's incredible, and, and he's stepping up as a leader, too. He's n- Not only is he playing well on the field, but off the field, he's leading the team. He's leading the defense. Um, biggest surprise? Uh, g- good surprise. Malcolm Roach, uh, I felt like we haven't heard his name much this year, but uh, he had six total tackles, two solo, and he had a big sack um, towards the end of the game. Uh, I believe he was on a third down or something, and that was big. Uh and so it's good to see that, because uh, he had a good year last year, it's good to see him getting back involved. Uh, the, other, the other surprise was Reggie Hemphill-Maps, who uh, he got in the doghouse, I believe, after Maryland. I believe so. Um, but since then, he's kind of been working his way up, getting more trust from the Texas coaches. He's back returning kicks uh, or returning punts. But he led our team in receptions, 12 receptions, 100, 121 yards. And what impresses me about him is he's so elusive in the open field, he's he's hard to tackle. He's a big body, and and so you know, I think you know we got to utilize him. Colin Johnson was our second re- uh, receiver, but with him, Phil Maps, with Colin Johnson, with Lil Jordan Humphrey, you got these three big bodies in the backfield who um, are really hard to tackle. All right, so we're running out of time.